All right, so today I am continuing a series, a series that we are doing on faith practices. And it's something where there are booklets available, so if you've got that booklet, you can have that in front of you for this. But if you don't have that, don't worry. You can still follow along and see where we're at and how this all goes. Um, and also, I'm going to remind you that not only the booklets that are available, but there is a website link that's available with some of these tools that go with this too. So when I get to the end of the message, and normally at the end of the message, I, I talk application things. Here's things that you can do this week. There are so many application things for faith practices. I can't cover it all. It would be overwhelming anyway and sort of lose the point. But that's okay because those things are all available online as things to try out from this message then too. That web link is available. It's on our website, right on the sermon page for this. So if, if you don't have that available, it's in the midweek email that we send out so you can find it there or just go right to our homepage on our website and you'll see today's sermon on there and a link right to those resources from the sermon today. Okay, So that's where you can find that today as we go through this. Today we're moving on to our second of 12 faith practices. So we, we're just sort of getting going on this, looking at all 12 of these over the summer, and today is number two. Last week we began with Sabbath, Sabbath rest. Today we talk about gratitude, what it means for us to be people who live a faith practice of gratitude, the kind of gratitude that grows us to be better disciples of Jesus. I want to repeat that as we go through this series. That's sort of what we're after here. That's the goal. It's not just to learn new things, but it's about discipleship. So I've been saying throughout this series so far that discipleship is what we're called to. We're called to be followers of Jesus. And maybe you are a person who thinks to yourself, yes, I know who Jesus is. I am a disciple of Jesus. It's not about whether you are a disciple or not a disciple, it's about being a better disciple. Better, that's the operative word here. That we can be better disciples. And that's what faith practices are for. To be better at following Jesus. I gave the illustration several weeks back of like training for sport. The driving range. You go to the driving range to become a better golfer or the batting cage, be a better baseball player or softball player or the weight room to build up strength so that you can be a better football player or whatever that sport may be. Those practice things that are not the actual game itself, but the practice we do to be better what it is we do. That's what faith practices do for us. They make us better disciples. So today, we look at the faith practice of gratitude and what that means. I'm going to look again at a story that comes from the Gospel of Luke. This is Luke chapter 17. Before we read that together, though, join me in a word of prayer. Let's pray. God, as we open your word today, we acknowledge that this is your word for our lives. So as we Read and hear these words. May your Holy Spirit speak them into our hearts so that we may know and understand what it is that you have for us to hear from you today. 
and pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen. All right, Luke chapter 17, and I'm going to begin at verse 11. Here's what it says. Now, on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said to them, Go, show yourselves to the priest. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw that he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him. And he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, Were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, Rise and go. Your faith has made you well. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Gratitude. Let's think about that as a faith practice today and how that works as something that makes us better disciples, better followers of Jesus. There's some background to this story that might be helpful to fill in some of the gaps as we consider what this story is really trying to tell us. So picture that scene. Jesus and his disciples, they're traveling from one end of Israel to the other, and these ten lepers come along and call out from a distance. Maybe we need to talk a little bit about leprosy, what it means for people to be lepers back in that time. Leprosy back in the time of the Bible, in the time of Jesus, was not necessarily one specific disease, but it was more like a category for a whole bunch of diseases, diseases that were really skin-related. So skin conditions or afflictions, different rashes or boils, hives, that kind of thing, that diseases you would have that would show up and manifest symptoms that would be on your skin. All of that together was sort of bunched in this category that they called leprosy. And so, when people had leprosy, they were made to be isolated in certain ways. They couldn't interact with other people. They had to live in these separate encampments and villages because some of these skin conditions were contagious. So they had to isolate that way. That's what was happening in the scene. That ten of these people from some village or an encampment are living away from everyone else. They hear or they know that Jesus is coming along. They probably have heard the stories about Jesus, which is why they seek him out. And they call from a distance. Have pity on us. See, they they call out from a distance because they weren't allowed to be any closer. right? They had to isolate, stay away. So that's why they're yelling from a distance away. We have leprosy. We're not allowed to come near to you. But they've heard the stories. They know. They believe that Jesus can heal them. So they call out. 
Then Jesus gives this response. Go show yourself to the priest. Maybe that needs a little explanation here too. So because leprosy was this condition that involved a whole bunch of different skin diseases, and back in that time they didn't have the medical treatment to always cure all of those things, but it was possible for people by their own immune systems to get better. And occasionally that would happen. That someone who would have one of these skin diseases that would show up, they would get over it that their immune system would kick in and they would get better. But they were not allowed to go back to society and rejoin their family and friends until they were first declared to be cleansed by a priest. All of that are the rules from the Old Testament. So that's what Jesus is doing here. He's telling these ten people, all right, In order for you to be cleansed, you need to go show yourself to the priest so that the priest can see that your skin condition, your leprosy, is gone. That's the instruction that Jesus gives. And these ten people, they know that. They know the rules of the Old Testament. All right, we go to see the priest so that we can be declared clean. And while they are going, they're healed. While they're on the way, they keep going. And then there's one, only one who comes back, a Samaritan from the A reminder about the Samaritans and how that worked, that in this time of Israel, there was a territory right in the middle of the country called Samaria. And it's still the land of Israel, but the people who lived there were people who in generations prior had intermarried with some of the Gentile people around them. So the Samaritans had gained this reputation of being half-breeds. They're kind of Israelites, but kind of not. And for those who lived in the northern end of Israel and the southern end of Israel, that these Samaritans who lived in the middle were despised because they had intermarried and they called them half-breeds. In fact, The Israelites from the north and from the south despised the Samaritans so much that they would avoid contact by traveling around Samaria. If you had to go from one end of the country to the other, they avoided going right through Samaria, but would add miles and miles to their journey to go around Samaria. They don't have cars. There's not a transit system. It's miles of walking that they would add to that. That's how much they despised the Samaritans from that area of Samaria. So that's the border Jesus is on there. He's on that land of Samaria right on the edge of that. And one of these ten lepers, well, at least one, we don't know how many others, but at least one is a Samaritan. That guy's got two strikes against him already. Strike one, you have leprosy. You have to stay away and be distanced. We avoid people with leprosy from the land of Israel. Strike two, you're a Samaritan. Because of who you are and the family you come from, the area where you were born, you are to be avoided. That this Samaritan, who's a leper, is the one who comes back. The one who gives thanks to God for being healed. There's a couple things about this story that 
are a little bit odd. And maybe for those of us today who hear this story, it, it sort of flies right over our head, but I think it's worth calling out some of these things. First of all, it was the law of the Old Testament that for a person who had leprosy, who experienced healing from that leprosy, that they would have to go show themselves to the priest before they could re-enter society in any way. So the nine who kept going were actually obeying the law, doing the right thing according to the law of the Old Testament. The one, the one who returns to thank Jesus, and the Bible tells us, falls at his feet. He's not keeping the appropriate distance, but he's right there at the feet of Jesus. He is technically breaking the law of the Old Testament. The other nine are doing the right thing according to all the laws that they had and the things that they had learned. This one guy who returns to thank Jesus before going to the priest is actually doing it wrong. But it's that one guy who Jesus calls out and commends as having a faith that has made him well. So that's one thing. Another thing that strikes me about this story is that in order to go see the priests, they would have to go to the temple. Samaritans are not allowed in the temple because they were considered to be foreigners, not actual Jewish people. So in order for this Samaritan to show himself to a priest, he would have to have gone to some extraordinary lengths for a priest to come out to him to see him. He could not have gone in to see a priest. It would have been an extra step that way. It's not the only story in the Gospels where Jesus interacts with Samaritans. There are other examples when Jesus interacts with Samaritans as well. And in some of those stories, you gain some of that insight. That it's the Samaritan woman at the well who, in conversation with Jesus, notes and points out, you know what, you Jews say that you have to worship God at the temple, but our ancestors worshiped God on this mountain in Samaria, pointing out. Draws attention to that here again as well. That God is present with them. I find it a striking part of this story then that nine out of these ten who are healed go to show themselves to the priest to be at the temple then, the temple which is the presence of God, at least for the people of the Old Testament, the people of Israel at that time. And this one, this one Samaritan who is technically breaking the law by coming back to Jesus before going to a priest. This one is the one who is actually in the presence of God, literally at the feet of Jesus in the presence of God. And he's commended for it. And what brought him there? Why did he do that? What got that one man from all of the others to be directly in the presence of God? 
gratitude. It was gratitude that brought him there. And his faith is commended for it. So let's think this morning about gratitude, what gratitude looks like. Here's what we're going to say today about gratitude as a faith practice. Gratitude is our response of thankfulness for God's goodness, love, provision, and grace. It is the undercurrent of all other faith practices, the well out of which they flow. So it's on the screen here, but you know what? It's in your bulletin as well. And if you're in the booklet, it's the very first thing you see in this chapter of the booklet on gratitude. That's the idea of gratitude that we're going to work with as a faith practice. So let's note a few things about this then. That gratitude, first of all, let's note that gratitude is a response to God. A response to God, not a request to God. Think of it that way. Because all of those things mentioned in that list are things that we could bring to God as a request, right? That we can request God's goodness, pray for God to be good. We can request and pray for God's love. We can pray for God's provision. And we can pray for God's grace, mercy, and forgiveness. But that's not gratitude. Gratitude is a response which acknowledges those things have already been given. It acknowledges that God is the one who acts first. Gratitude is a way of approaching God that says, I'm going to acknowledge and affirm that you already have shown goodness. I'm going to acknowledge and affirm that you already have shown love. I will acknowledge and affirm that you have already given provision. And I will acknowledge and affirm that you have already shown grace and given grace. That's the difference of gratitude. It acknowledges what God has already done and calls that out. The other thing to notice about gratitude here then is that it's proactive, not reactive. So, hold these things together. While on the one hand, gratitude is a response, right? It's a response to God, but it is a proactive response, an intentional response an expression of gratitude that is an intentional choice. You know, think of it this way. Sometimes, sometimes in life, I have been shown so much goodness from someone else, so much kindness from someone else. Sometimes in life, I've been given such an extraordinary gift from someone else that I am just overwhelmed with gratitude. It's a feeling that washes over and you cannot help but to feel grateful. The faith practice of gratitude goes beyond that. It doesn't just wait for those moments when I'm overwhelmed with thankfulness. It doesn't just sit by and sort of wonder when I'm going to be thankful, when I'm going to be shown that. But gratitude is proactive to look for it, seek it out. That I'm going to do everything that I can to be aware of the ways God is already good. I'm going to do everything I can to be aware of all the ways 
that God loves. Going to do everything that I can to be aware of all the ways that God provides. And I'm going to do everything I can to be aware of all the ways that God is gracious. I will intentionally seek that out. Name it. Call it out. And give thanks to God for it. Gratitude then seeks to articulate examples of how and when God's goodness, love, provision, and grace show up in my life. Articulate examples. Specific. I can pray a prayer that says, God, thank you for being such a good God. Go a step further. Name what that goodness is. In the day that you're living, in the week that you have, name what that goodness is. God, we see flowers blooming and there's such beautiful color in creation. And I was able to sit outdoors and enjoy some of that. God, you are so good for providing the beauty of the world around us. God, you have provided the meals that we eat. So we open our meals at our house. We open our meals with a prayer of thanksgiving that God provides for that. Naming that. Name it specifically, not just in a general category. That is the faith practice of gratitude. That's how gratitude shows up and how gratitude works. That it's an intentional choice to seek that out. And by doing that as a faith practice, here's what happens. That we start to become aware of all the ways that God is already there that otherwise we might miss. That otherwise seems absent from us. Maybe we've all had times like that in our life. Times when we look back and we think to ourselves, where is God? I don't sense God's nearness. Is God absent? Does God know? Does God care? I think every one of us goes through seasons of life when maybe we wonder some of those things. Is God being good to me? Where is God's goodness? When I've had times in my life like that, and there are times in life like that, you grow and you move past and you look back, and then in looking back, you know, in retrospect, in hindsight, I can see God's goodness was there. Maybe I just didn't recognize it at the time. Maybe I just didn't see it at the moment. But it was there. So even in those times when I'm not aware of God's goodness, in times when I'm not aware of God's love, when I'm not aware of his grace, when I'm not aware of his provision. It's still there. I'm just not seeing it, not aware of it. Gratitude, then, is that thing that points us towards the awareness of all of that. Because it's there, whether we see it or know it or not. That's how gratitude works for us. You know, the greatest expression of God's grace, the greatest expression of his love, 
happens at the cross. It's at the cross of Jesus where we see in all of its fullness the grace of God revealed, isn't it? I mean, we, we know that is the gospel. We preach that as the gospel. We say that every week when we come here, that that is the gospel message, and it is the greatest expression of God's grace and love, Jesus giving himself on the cross for us. That the guilt of my sin, he takes on himself. And his perfect righteousness becomes mine. That's the gospel. That's grace. That's love. But I wonder to myself, how many of the people who lived back then, how many of the people who were in Jerusalem on that day saw it? Saw it as grace saw it as love. How many people who were there and saw it happen thought to themselves, oh, this is the grace and the love of God poured out and given for us? I won't say no one. You find a few examples. The thief on the next crossover, the thief who said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. The soldier, the soldier who was there, who made the remark, truly, this man is the Son of God. So there's a few. But you know what? I would dare say that the vast majority of the people who were there on that day, the day where we saw the greatest expression of God's grace and love, totally missed it. They didn't see that. It was there. But they didn't see it. They didn't acknowledge it. Gratitude is the thing that helps us see and acknowledge God's grace, love, provision, and goodness right there with us every day. That's how it works as a faith practice. That's how we do it. So, how are we going to do that this week? Right? What will be that faith practice look like? The faith practice of gratitude. It's a faith practice that focuses attention on God's goodness, love, provision, and grace in my daily life. In my daily life. Taking time somewhere every day to take time and name it. Call it out. Give an expression to what it is. Not just in general categories, but in specifics of God's goodness, love, provision, and grace. Taking the time to do that and then to give that intentional expression of thanksgiving to God. So we provide some tools for you to do that. And here's my encouragement that we're going through 12 faith practices throughout the course of the summer here. And it's not realistic to keep piling more and more on top of each other. So if you spent the last week focusing your attention on the faith practice of Sabbath, then I would say, you know what, it's okay to put that one aside now. Not that we ignore it forever, but this week it's a different focus. This week, let's focus on gratitude as a faith practice. This week, find ways that you can Name in your daily life 
the goodness of God, the love of God, the provision of God, the grace of God. And name it. Name it what, for what it is when you see it. So there are tools for doing that. Some of those tools are in the Faith Practices booklet that some of you have ordered. If you did not order one of those and you want it, there's a few extra copies at our Welcome Center. So you're glad to grab one. You will find many of those same things on the website. And again, the link to that is right through this sermon page that you can find right on our homepage of our website. Those are tools that are there for you. I'm not going to spend time this morning listing 20 different ways you can do that because it would get lost then. That's your homework. A piece for you to pick up and go here with. Having spent a little time this morning knowing and understanding what the faith practice of gratitude is, then you can go from this place and find some ways to do that in this week. Once again, in the booklet and on the website, you'll find this ancient practice of reading scripture called Lectio Divina. Again, that's not Bible study reading. It's not reading scripture for information. It's reading for understanding. Reading a passage slowly and repeatedly for God to speak through those words. There are some passages specifically for faith practice of gratitude in that section of your booklet and on the website. There are some other things that are listed there too as journaling prompts. However you do that and however that makes sense for you. Take a few notes. If you keep a journal, write that out. If you do that on your computer or tablet, punch to there. If you're the kind of person who just writes a few comments here and there on a note card or tucks it, um, sticky notes that you put around, whatever, find your own way, but give some expression of something that you can hold on to. And part of that's important because when we go through all 12 of these faith practices throughout the summer, we're going to get to the end of the summer and then turn around and look back. Look back at all 12 of these that you've had a chance to try out and you might need some of those notes to refresh you of, oh yeah, I remember that week when I did all of that stuff with gratitude. So it's a good practice for this week to just jot a few notes somewhere along the way of how this faith practice is going, how it's working, what you've experienced as you do that. And then there are a few other examples that are both in the booklet and on the website of ways that you can practice gratitude in this week. So find those resources there. They are there for you to practice that and to see that. It's a new awareness that comes to us in this faith practice of gratitude. A new awareness that then, according to this definition we're working with, forms an undercurrent from which so many of the other faith practices spring forth. So when you practice that this week, you're creating something of a space, a space in the weeks to come as we look at the other faith practices moving forward. Gratitude helps build a foundation for those others to stand upon as we look at that. It's the well out of which they flow. So in this week, as we give thanks to God, name the ways that we're thankful to him, that you see. Let's pray together. God, thank you for the gift of your word. And thank you that in your word that you give us examples 
of how to be grateful to you. And so, Lord, we pray that as we seek to do that in the week ahead, Lord, show us the examples. Show us the ways that you are good. Show us the ways that you provide. Show us the ways that you love. Show us the ways that you're gracious. God, forgive us for the times when we've ignored that because we know that you are always good, that you are always loving, you always provide, and you are always gracious. Forgive us for when we've missed it and help us in this week ahead to become more aware of it so that we can name it and give praise to you for it. We thank you. And we pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.